Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. God brings change. And we have all declared that this year is the year of restoration. And that's great. That sounds really great by itself. As part of restoration, there's change. And change isn't always comfortable. Change means vulnerability. It means dealing with stuff, getting rid of some stuff, so that what we had, we no longer have. And that we can receive all that God has for us. And that's a reality. As part of my work, my normal 95, I get involved in large transformation projects. And this is where companies or organizations realize that how they have been for maybe 30, 40, 50 years isn't what they really want. It's not what they desire anymore. And so they call people like us to come in And we help them through that process of change. And for some organizations, and organizations are just people really, they're just like me and you. It's frightening for them. Because it means, what does my day-to-day job look like now? Will I have a job? Is a normal thought, question. And that brings anxiety and fear into people's hearts and minds. And sometimes we're seen as the bad guys. Because we're bringing change. But in that change, and in the change for us, there is joy, there is freedom, there is prosperity, not just financial prosperity, there's prosperity of spirit. We have hope. And this is what change brings. But change can be challenging. So I want to start off by saying this. That there's no condemnation in Christ. No matter where you are today. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Because condemnation isn't from God. Freedom comes from God. Guilt, punishment, shame, they're not characteristics of God. That's not the nature of God. That's not the God we serve. That's not the nature of Jesus. But God has given us an opportunity to take on change today. And we, the great thing about it, we get to be in control. We get to make the choices. We get to say, yes, Jesus. So, what God wants from us is to be vulnerable to him. And to trust him to do all that he said he would do in us. 
It's a place of taking risk. I'm a risky sort of person. I like to take risk because I always favor the outcome is going to be in my favor. Any risk takers here? Okay, we've got nine, ten. So as we go along the way, we're going to find some more risk takers in here. This is what I believe. Because what God wants to do is break some stuff off. And we're not going to abort the mission of the year, which is restoration. Because nobody wants to remain the same. Well, I don't. I'm up for the challenge that God has put before us. So I want to start with some, some background information, some um, foundation stuff that sort of got me to this message. And it actually started um, in December. I started to get this reoccurring picture of a swimming pool that was covered over. And if you're the right sort of age, because I haven't been to a swimming pool in a while, if you got to the swimming baths early, before anyone else had got in, you would notice that there's a cover over it. Now, I think they did it to um, keep the heat constant in the water. But the picture I kept on getting was the cover being rolled back. Every time I saw it, the cover was on, and then it was being rolled back. And I was like, what does that mean? And it was quite simple. Things are being uncovered. And then we had the word that God will restore in 24. What does restoration look like? Restoration is taking off to reveal the original artwork or the original thing. So what I saw in the swimming bath was, okay, so there's a connection. So in the early part of January, during worship, I... Let's say I had a vision, for want of a better word. And um, I was walking amongst a heavenly place. It was a mountain and I could see the, a very bright light. And I said, that must be God. And I looked to the right and I saw Jesus. And I saw multitudes of bright lights. And I said, Lord, what, who are they? What's, what's going on over there? And he said, that's you lot. That's the church. That's my believers. And I thought, oh great, we're sitting at his right hand. Excited. Yippee. What I noticed was that we were all covered in gold. We were shining bright gold. And the gold was reflecting the light of Jehovah. I was like, wow. And there was an ocean there. And there was these heavenly creatures that were dipping into the ocean and they were coming out with scrolls. We may speak about that another time. I looked down to earth and I saw us worshipping. And I could see the gold on us here on earth. But what I also saw were there were parts of our garments, what we had on, our skins, our coverings, our robes, that weren't 
shining. They weren't reflecting the light the same way I saw it in heaven. And I said, Lord, what is that? And what I got was, we've got some stuff that we're carrying that don't belong to us. There's some stuff that we've got to throw off that don't belong to us. We weren't created with it. And I said, Lord, well, how did you create us? He said, I created you in the spirit first. And everything you need for life on earth, I formed in the spirit first. And then he started to speak to me about identity. And what has happened to us, many of us, all of us, when we are born into this world, we get affected by the external things of life. And then we have these things on us that have nothing to do with what God created in the spirit. And what God wants to do with our agreement is deal with them stuff, all of that stuff. Because when that stuff is dealt with, you're going to start to look like what God created in the spirit. And that is restoration. That is what restoration looks like. Restoration isn't about restoring what was lost. We tend to think about it financially, but it's much more than that. It is about your identity. It is about who you are as a person. It's about who I am as Darren and change Darren for your name. As I'm speaking to you this morning, don't think about me, your parents, your siblings, your husband, wife, whoever. Think about yourself and put yourself in that situation. Think about you because today this is what Jesus wants you to do. Think about you. Think about change for you and what that change can look like. Because as we allow Jesus to restore us, we're going to shine. We're going to shine. We're really going to shine. I want to talk about a, a man. I've heard his name many times and I've never really delved into it until recently, last week or so. And his name is Bartimaeus. And he, he features in all of the Gospels. I'm going to look at Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. I'm not sure if we can get it up on the... Oh, thank you. So, we'll read. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting along the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, 
have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up, on your feet he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. We can see how quickly his life was transformed and how quickly he was restored. I want to talk to you about where we are as a season because it all ties in. So last Sunday, we started the Hebrew morph of Adar. And that's connected to a tribe of um, Naphtali. And I mentioned this last week, but you can go and read about it over in Genesis 40, what, 49, verse 21. And the word that was released was, um, it's a deer let loose. He gives goodly words. Now, I like to understand the full meaning of words. You know, our English language is very limited. And so I like to dig into what was the original meaning of the word. And that goodly word means beauty. God's talking about you. It means promises. It means commands. It means self-exaltation. That's about how you speak to yourself. And the conversations you have with yourself. The thoughts you have about yourself. It means that you're going to be pleasing to yourself. It means that you're going to be beautiful to yourself. It means that you're going to glisten. You're going to shine bright. That's the season we're in. Now, the great thing about this period is that there are two Adar months because it's a leap year. So there's a double portion of blessing. There's a double portion of beauty. That's you. That's what I saw. The beautiful shining ones. The ones that were reflective of the beauty of God. And why would Jesus have us like this? Ephesians tell us that he will present himself to the church that will be spotless. And this is the opportunity that we have as individuals. The church is made up of me, you. And we have this opportunity to present ourselves spotless before Christ. And what Bartimaeus did, he took advantage he heard, he couldn't see, he heard that Jesus was passing by. So, Timaeus, 
I'm talking about Timaeus, but I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. And I want you to think about you. And as we get into this, remember there's no condemnation because I'm going to talk about some stuff. Some painful stuff that may bring up some painful memories for you. And that's okay. Because what Jesus wants us to do is what Bartimaeus did. He wants us to throw some stuff off. Because we were created in the image of God. And we're powerful people. If we believe that about ourselves. And God wants you to believe that about yourself. That you are a powerful person. That you get to make choices about yourself. That no one else can. And that no one else can determine. That no one else can influence. That's who you are. And when we decide to step into who we are. We start to live life and experience life very differently to what we may have done for 20, 30 years. For some people it's longer. For some people it's 50, 60 years. You see, it doesn't matter how long you've been living or functioning the way you've been functioning. Because Jesus has given us an opportunity today to break through. That's what he's given us. So Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Now the Hebrew word meaning of that was that he was honorable. And we've got to understand in context of life back then, if you came from an honorable family, an established family, and you had a physical disability, the assumption was that you did something wrong, you sinned. In the Greek, his name meant son of the unclean. That's a clash of identity. How do you function out of that when you're physically blind? You have an open, obvious disability. So, because he was blind, most likely he would have been homeless. He wouldn't have had income. The scriptures tell us that he was along the road begging. And in those days, blind beggars were identified by what they wore. They had a particular type of garment that they had. And they would use that garment also as their shelter because they were generally homeless. In our modern world, we get taught to cover our disabilities the ones that other people can't see. And we get taught to magnify the great things about us. So quite often we have this mindset that we can wave the banner of greatness and ignore the places when we're weak because it's a vulnerability that we don't want to speak about because we think it makes us look weak. But Jesus wants us to bring that to the forefront now so he can deal with it. They tell us that identity is formed around the age of three. We start to get things externally from our family, from our siblings. You know, growing up in the house I grew up with, um, my brothers were wild. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were. And I, my identity was formed by the number of names they called me. <laughs> and not all of them were good. That's the nature of... Kids. 
But then you've got the uncles and aunts and the parents and extended family who say, oh, he looks like uncle such and such. Oh, she looks like auntie such and such. And he was like this. And he was like that. And some of us may be named after our relatives because we look like them. And now what our family have done are put their character on us. And maybe it's not from Jesus. And so we get to adult age and we've carried stuff with us that doesn't belong to us. Is there a Bartimaeus sitting somewhere in you? That's the question I want you to think about as we speak. As I speak and you speak to yourself. We may not have the physical controls, restrictions on us like Bartimaeus did. But what are we carrying in our hearts, in our minds? What are the conversations that we have with ourselves on a daily basis? I can't remember the exact figure, but we have tens of thousands of thoughts every day. What do those thoughts about you sound like? I was speaking to someone who works with brains. And they said to me, I was asking a number of questions, and they said, basically, when we have a thought or when we have a conversation with someone externally, the way that God has constructed our brains is that chemicals are released into our brain. And it goes to different parts of our brains. It goes to the spinal cord to the point that it can affect how we move, how we walk, how we talk. Because what we are doing is building up a belief system and our brains agree with what we say. Have you ever called yourself a fool because you've done something foolish? I have. Well, my body has responded to that. And my body had came into agreement with it. What are the thoughts about yourself? How did Bartimaeus think about himself? What sort of fears are we walking around with? What sort of fears are we filtering life through? They, they tell me there's over 500 different types of fears and phobias. I was flicking through the list and they've got a problem for everything. They really have. But the reality is that fear has been classified because someone has gone through that experience which means it's real to them. So what fears, phobias, thoughts, ideas are you walking around with every day that doesn't line up with what God says about you? What are we saying to ourselves? Are we walking around with shame? Are we walking around thinking that we are failures because this happened, that happened, or something didn't happen, therefore we don't meet the mark. We don't meet the mark of what our families and friends might expect from us. 
we have all sorts of ideas. Then there are the choices that we make as, as people. We start to make choices maybe when we get to about the age of nine. Lots of kids start rebelling because they want to challenge the authority of their parents. And for some people, that carries on into adulthood. So we make lots of choices about our lives. I don't want to call some things out. And this isn't to condemn. Because in Christ, there's no condemnation. Jesus wants it brought to the top. So we can then give it to him. And perform an act of faith to deal with it one time. So it never occurs again. And then that part of our soul that has been damaged, misconstrued, can shine again. This is a season for it. As a body of people, we've been through much. And we all know somebody that's been through tough times, that are currently in tough times. Some of it because of external factors on their lives that they can't control, but some are because of decisions that they've made themselves. Thinking out of their identity, that's not really their God-given identity. And this is what we're after today. For restoration to come, for freedom to come, for fear to lose its grip, its effect on every area of our lives. Some of us are walking around angry. On the surface, we seem fine. But if somebody does the right thing, (laughs) I've been there. We've all got triggers, as it's now called. But really, the wounds... But we've all got our trigger points. Well, they just did this, therefore I did that. And we justify their behavior. And so what happens is it becomes reinforced. And so we do it again and again and again. Until we say, that's just the way I am. Well, that's a lie. And what we're doing, we're agreeing with Satan. And when we agree with Satan... He has a legal entry into our lives. And when he has one door into our lives, he says, come on lads, let's all go in. And then havoc is caused in lots of other places. But today you get the opportunity to shut it down. Some have been through divorces, abortions, relationship breakdowns in family. Some are prideful, Thinking, thinking that my sin isn't that sin. I can see your sin and I'm not like that. Therefore, I'm better than you. We have all sorts of thoughts that enter our heads, but the thought may come, but you don't let it settle. This is where we learn the art of leaving it at Jesus's feet and filling the space with Jesus. Because the thoughts may not stop coming 
But how you deal with them is a critical thing. Unforgiveness, addictions. Some people have been abused by other people, mentally and physically. And that leaves marks on your soul. It leaves a fingerprint, an indentation of what's happened to you. And it can cause you to mistrust people. And so you start to treat people out of that place of pain, causing more pain. This is what Jesus is after today. There's some people that feel that you're a failure as a son, failure as a daughter, because you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And there's this family expectation for you to do what they would want you to do. There's some people that carry the names that they've been called from childhood in schools. And it still hurts. It causes people to function on an autopilot. Remember Trevor's been talking about algorithms? Autopilot. Acting out of what you know, when when you know isn't the truth of who you are. Bartimaeus decided that that wasn't going to be his condition anymore. The Bible tells us that as we think, we become. Science has now proved that by what happens in the brain. They won't say that's the truth, but that is the truth. As we think, we become. We can become conditioned to our situation or situations until it becomes normal. I used to do martial arts back in my day. And yeah, I I really did, Margaret. (laughs) And one of the things they do, you go through a process called body conditioning. And what that means is that you stand there and you let people punch and kick you. And the reason is that when you are fighting in the ring, not on the street, when you get hit, yeah, there's an expression expression in boxing called a glass chin. Yeah, and when you get hit on your chin, it can knock you out, take you out. And the idea behind body conditioning is that when you get hit, you don't fall. You don't, re- you don't respond to the pain in a painful way. You're not a, receipt- a, re- a receptor of the pain because your body has become used to the punches. That's the thinking behind it. And many function like that in life. We've become so used to the things that we have been through We've been conditioned to think this is normal when the truth of God says it's not. But my friend Bartimaeus, I've taken him on. (laughs) He's a real special guy. You see, he was blind, therefore very vulnerable. Jericho at that time was a very dangerous place because there was these rumors about a king coming 
a king that would replace the king, the, the king that would take the nation of Israel out of captivity. And so talking about this king, identifying this king, saying who this king was, was a pretty risky move. So Jericho was a wealthy place. It was a place where there were lots of traders, where traders would come in and out of the city. So Bartimaeus, needing money, he placed himself on the road outside the city. Pretty smart guy. Because he knows there's going to be people coming in with money or leaving with money. Good guy. He's got strategy. So as he's sitting there and he hears what's going on. So Jesus is leaving the city on the way to Jerusalem. And there's a large crowd. And clearly there's nothing wrong with his hearing. Because he hears it is Jesus of Nazareth. And he clearly knows who Jesus is. Not just by the byword. That, oh, I've heard a rumor about a guy called Jesus. He knows it's Jesus of Nazareth. The identity is solid of who he is. So what did he do? He couldn't just run over to him because he couldn't see him. He couldn't see the obstacles in the way. So he started shouting. So what he did was, based upon what he heard, he started to respond based on what he heard. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. And then he responds to it by releasing a shout. When God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke it into existence. We're created in the image of God. God wants us to make a sound. He wants us to shout and respond to what we are hearing. So they said to him, shut up, in effect. But I believe that Bartimaeus has made his mind up based upon knowing who Jesus was. And so his response to them telling him to be quiet, and we've got to have it in context that these were people that that gave him money. He may well have known some of these people and knowing that he was in a lower position in society to these people and maybe if I didn't shut up, maybe they won't give me money the next time that they're coming by. But he didn't let it stop him because he recognized who Jesus was. So he started to shout louder and he said, Jesus, son of David, So he's gone beyond, now this is Jesus of Nazareth. He's now recognized him as a king. He's recognizing the royalty, the position, the genealogy and history of Christ. This man knew his history. He knew who Jesus was. And he wasn't going to shut up. Because he was desperate for an outcome that was different to what he had known for maybe most of his life. He was desperate. And in that shouting, 
in the shouting, Jesus, son of David. Jesus stopped. Because Jesus knew that there was someone that had connected with who he was. His shout stopped Jesus. So Jesus said to the crowd, the very crowd that was <laughs> trying to shut him down, bring him to me. Time's going quickly. You see, the thing about sound, we're believers. We are prophetic people. All of us. All of us are prophetic people. We have the ability to hear what God says to us. And when we hear what God says to us, what we ought to do is get into agreement with what God says to us. This is how you decree. You don't decree, I want a Porsche. If God hasn't said, I'm going to give you a Porsche. That's just your wants. But we're all kings. Even you ladies. I'm using it as a general term. To speak of the power and position that you have in Christ. We speak as kings and we speak as priests. We are royalty. We are a reflection of all that God is. Because that's how he created us in the very beginning. You see, the word sound is connected to the word symphony. And symphony is connected to the word unity. And that's connected to the word agreement. And when we get into agreement with what God says about us, that's when things start to change. And that's what Bartimaeus did. You see, he got into agreement with who Jesus was. The identity of Jesus. And when you start to agree with who Jesus is, you start to change. Things start to happen. Some things you won't even need to pray about. Some things you won't need to ask for. You start getting to agreement with what Jesus says, things will begin to happen. There's a power in your voice. This is why when we worship, it is so critical and so powerful and it changes the atmosphere around us. You see, Satan is the prince of the air. But what God has put inside of us is a voice with more authority when we come into agreement with what heaven says. You are beautiful people. I'm beautiful. I'm coming into agreement with what heaven says. That word beauty is linked to being ripe, being at your fullest, at your best. And in this season, there's a double portion of that. <laughs> Come on. There's a double portion of beauty on your life and it doesn't run out. It doesn't run out because what happens when, when the month ends and we step into a new season, the Prophetic voice of God in a new season is added to what was there the last season. This is how you go from glory to glory. 
because you carry the promises and you agree with the promises that God has given you in your life and it releases you out of bondage into freedom. And that's how restoration will be carried out. But Bartimaeus, he did something, he took a risk. How risky are you today? What he did was, in those days, your cloak, garments, not only did it carry your identity, because it carried your identity, it meant how people treated you. Kings wore a particular type of robe. Jesus had a particular type of robe. Rabbis carried and wore a particular type of robe. Princesses and queens had different types of robes. And so for Bartimaeus, his robe, his garment, meant that he can get money, he could get food. And we need those couple of things to function in life. But he took a risk. Because he knew who Jesus was. When the guys said, come on, jump up. He decided to throw off his garment. And in throwing off that garment, he changed his identity in that split moment because he left that identity behind him and he walked towards the son of David what are we carrying that we need to throw down are you willing to take the risk to throw it off because when we throw it off Jesus tells us what happens. What do you want me to do for you? You see, because he threw his cloak off, he no longer looked like a blind man. What could you look like? Before you live here today. Some of the things I read out. May not apply to you. But there's probably lots more that do. We all have. An element of Bartimaeus in us. We all have things. We need to throw off. No matter. How young. Or how old we are. It doesn't matter. Whether we know Jesus now. Or we're about to know Jesus. Because this is to do with our soul. And what we've carried, what we've agreed with. Sometimes subconsciously. And we don't know that we're doing it. What are you willing to throw off? So he answered Jesus and he said, Rabbi... I want to see. And Jesus said, Go. Your faith 
has healed you. Now, I believe his act of faith was one, calling Jesus by who he was. But more significantly, by throwing off his cloak. He was healed in an instant. What Satan would want to happen in your life is for the things that have happened to you is to continue to disrupt your now and your future. That's his plan. Because whilst you're being disrupted and taken away from what Jesus has for you, you aren't living how Jesus would have you to live. And that is in freedom. It means that we're not shining brightly, beautifully, brilliantly, as God would want us to. And the great thing is, you get to make the decision. We get to make the decision. And that's what Jesus wants us to do today. What if we surrendered all we had to Jesus, like Bartimaeus? He could have asked Jesus for money. He could have asked him for food. But that would have been a temporary fix. Temporary fixes don't work. They just build up another release of chemicals in your brain for you to repeat the next time and the next time and the next time and the next time. And it keeps you going in ever-decreasing circles. We're going to have a time of ministry. And we get to stand up. We get to come to the front. And in doing that, we get to leave where we were when we came in. And make that as a prophetic sign in your life to Jesus. That you're willing to leave, you're willing to surrender all that you have for all that he can give you. The choice is ours. If you don't know Jesus, I encourage you to get to know him. Come to the front and tell the person in front of you that, I don't know Jesus yet, but he sounds like a guy I want to get to know. Jesus wants to get to know you in a real, personal and intimate way. For those of you that already know Jesus, leave that stuff behind. That's really the core of the message. Leave the stuff behind that hasn't got anything to do with Jesus. You see, blindness has got nothing to do with Jesus. Being poor and begging has got nothing to do with Jesus. And Bartimaeus recognized that. So no matter what your condition is, come. The ministry team, if you can just stand and Come to the front. Jesus says, 
where there's two or more gathered in my name, I will be there. And Jesus is here. So, for you risky people, why don't you stand? Those that want to get rid of some stuff. There's two of us, three of us. That's good. If you want to stand and leave some stuff in your seat, I believe that Jesus will change the course of your life. That is the business he is in. So Bartimaeus went from being a blind beggar to following Jesus. He actually moved cities <laughs> in such a quick moment. And you can only do that if you have trust because he would have left everything that he'd known. The regular traders, the people that he knew, the group of people that always gave him money. He left all of that in an instant. And he moved and he followed Jesus to Jerusalem. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.